A reading from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of the Lord. Um, this morning we want to talk about spiritual toolbox, what a spiritual toolbox is. We want to talk about what is going wrong in the world and what we can do about it. As Johnny has said, this period of time now in Christmas is the sending out. That now as we start 2014, we begin to think in this new year about those New Year's resolutions. And many make New Year's resolutions about themselves, that they're going to lose weight, that they're going to take, stop a bad habit, they're going to stop eating. I've stopped drinking Dr. Pepper, uh, and so there'll be decreased sales in Dr. Pepper. Uh, it has just dropped. As Matt knows, we would get a big gulp every day, didn't we, uh, right across the street. And uh, uh, just, But you see, we do those selfish type of... of, of, uh, of of New Year's resolutions. What if you had a New Year's resolution to change the world? What if your New Year's resolution was to make a difference in the world? What if your New Year's revolution, uh, resolution would be that the world would not be the same place as it was this last year because of you? And I think about that as I think about a youth pastor, as being a youth pastor, and what that means. And I think, well, it must start with me. It must start with me. It must be me that needs to change. I'm the one that needs to change. And the ones around me and the influence I have. So before we start to think about changing the world, we think about what we need to do. If we look down at people, we'll never change anything. And we as Christians will be perceived as arrogant snobs that are judgmental. But if we stop and say, wait a minute, I need to change and I need to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, then that will make a difference. A man told me that I have an answer to you, Jim, on how to be a better youth pastor. And I listened to him because I've heard many, many people say that. And he said to me, if you become more and more like Jesus, young people will listen to you more and care what you have to say. And I thought that was a little trite when I first heard it. 
But I've pondered that for the last 15 years. And I've thought, boy, that makes a difference. That what if we were more like Jesus this year? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3 answers that question. What is going wrong with the world and then what can we do about it? What is going wrong with the world and what, we can, do, what can we do about it? If you've got your Bibles, turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. If not, you can follow along. I'm reading from a totally different version than anyone here has. It's known as the J.B. Phillips translation. Uh, some would even say it's not even a translation. It's more of a paraphrase, but it is from the original Greek. And I grew up in it and memorized parts of Scripture from it. So I just feel very comfortable with this passage. So I'm going to read the J.B. Phillips translation of chapter 3, and you can follow along and, uh, and listen. Uh, Chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Paul is writing to Timothy, that is his disciple, the one that he has trained, the one he's put into a church plant, the one he has moved down and he is building into his life. And he says this, but mark this, you must realize that in the last days, the times will be full of danger. Men will become utterly self-centered, greedy for money, full of big words. They will be proud and contemptuous, without regard for what their parents taught them. They will be utterly lacking in gratitude, purity, and normal human affections. They will be men of unscrupulous speech and have no control of themselves. They will be passionate and unprincipled, treacherous, self-willed, and conceited, loving all the time what gives them pleasure instead of loving God. They will maintain a facade of religion but their conduct will deny its validity. You must be clear of people like this. He goes on in 6 and 9 to say this, and I'll go quickly. From their number come those creatures who worm their way into people's homes and find easy prey in silly women with an exaggerated sense of sin and morbid cravings who are always learning yet never able to grasp the truth. These men are as much enemies to the truth as Janus and Jambres were to Moses. Their minds are distorted and they are traitors to the faith. But in the long run, they won't get far. Their folly will become as obvious to everyone as did that of Moses' opponents. And here we move to the answer. But for you, Timothy, you have known intimately both what I have taught and how I have lived. My purpose and my faith are no secrets to you. You saw my endurance and love and patience as I met all those persecutions and difficulties at Antioch. And you know how the Lord brought me safely through them all. Persecution is inevitable for those who are determined to live really Christian lives, while wicked and deceitful men will go from bad to worse, deluding others and deluding themselves. Verse 14, yet you must go on steadily in all those things that you have learned and which you know are true. Remember what sort of people your knowledge has come and how from early childhood your mind has been familiar with the holy scriptures, which can open the mind to salvation, which comes through believing in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching the faith and correcting error, 
for resetting the direction of a man's life and training him in good living. The scriptures are the comprehensive equipment of the man of God and fit him fully for all branches of work. In 2014, what's in your toolbox? Here's a toolbox right here. I'll put it out here for now. It's pretty rusty and the tools in there are a little dirty. But what's in your toolbox of faith for 2014? We see what Paul describes that things are getting worse. And many of you have heard that say, boy, things seem to be getting worse. The culture's getting worse. People seem to have no truth in them. People seem to be lying. And that's just Washington, D.C., isn't it? We see the world and it seems like it's crumbling. It's crumbling in a misunderstanding of relationships, in the deterioration of morality. And he writes this, mark this, make note of this. In the end times, in the last days, it will become dangerous. It will become difficult. Mark, listen, mark this, believe this. In the last days, it will be difficult. That's what Paul writes to Timothy, who's starting this new ministry, this new church, and for us, as we look at it and think of our life in 2014. What is the things we need to watch out for? Well, he lists some of these things. And as he does it, I'll never remember, in 1988, I read a book by a man named... um, Dr. Carl Henry, he's an evangelical philosopher and theologian, and he wrote in a book called uh, Twilight of a Great Civilization that as America loses its Judeo-Christian ethic, its Judeo-Christian heritage, paganism will grow bolder and stronger. That what will happen, what was humanism, where many of us were growing up in the teachings of humanism, it will now transfer more into paganism. And there'll be more of a direction in that way. He said that in 88. And I believe that that's occurring in our generation right now. There's a movement even away from humanism, which is the worship of the human, the worship of the self, to a movement of worshiping something else. In fact, even worshiping the ultimate, which is the worship of what we fear. And when we fear something, we begin to become afraid of it and we start to worship it or become in awe of it. What is the answer to this? What is the answer to the fact that the world seems to be going the wrong direction? What was the answer that the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, this young man, that as he starts this, as you start a family, as you start your entire life and you, you, you do that idea of building in this new 2014, what is the answer? Well, let, let, let's hear these things first. Let me read, list them off. He said, first, the problems. He says, first of all, he says, loving of self. The self-loving becomes one of the ultimate problems that we have in our culture. A selfishness that per permades all of culture. As your young people go to school, it's the self. The selfishness in terms of me, 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 and going first. 
And you'll see that again and again and again. What else is in the culture? Loving of money. The idea of money being the answer to everything. And the thought, the love of money is going to give that satisfaction. He mentions braggers. The word there for braggers means one that brags so much that he goes literally over the top. And that's what it means when people brag with such arrogance. Uh, And arrogance being that above, trying to be above everyone. Disobedience to parents is another one. As a teenager said to me not too long ago, everyone lies to their parents, Jim. Everyone. I said, well, that's not true. I know some young people that don't lie to their parents. I know some who have made the decision not to. And when they have found themselves beginning to go over in that direction, they stop themselves and say, hey, mom, I, I didn't really finish my homework. I got a little more to do. And I just want to ask your forgiveness for saying I did. And mom's view of that young person just goes up and up and up as maturity starts to grow. But disobedience to parents, being ungrateful, not thankful. He lists these terrible things, unholy, wickedness, unloving, without family affection. That what will happen is even the natural affection of family that is in nature, that a mother cares for a child, that a parent cares for a child, that that natural affection will be removed. And we see in this culture now, with millions of abortions since our Supreme Court ruling, millions, the idea of what has happened. Again, again, a young lady came to me and said, can God forgive me? Twelve years ago, I had an abortion. And every day, I remember, every year, I remember that date. It stays in my mind. So with tears going down her eyes, we prayed and looked at passages of Scripture that said that the grace and love of Jesus Christ would cover that that decision she made, that choice that she so much regrets, but the Lord Jesus putting a healing on her life to make it there. The world is going in this direction with abuse, unloving, slander, no self-control, traitorous relationships. And he sums it up with saying, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a facade of religion, yet the reality and the behavior denies the validity of that, uh, that life as he says, uh, having appearance of godliness but denying its power. Well, what is the answer? What's in the toolbox that Paul writes to Timothy? He says three things that I'd like you to remember, three things that I need to remember. The first is to embrace a leader, embrace your Christian leaders. That as Paul could look, as, as Timothy could look to Paul, to look to someone else and say this what it means to follow Christ, to find our mentor. What is the answer to the way and the direction that's going on with young people? That they have mentors. What if this church believed, believed in everything it could, that its goal, that its desire 
It was to raise the children up to know the grace and love of the Lord Jesus Christ in relationship. You've got that with the youth pastor, Ron over, Ron over there, and what, what, he, what he's done, what he's doing. But even more than that, that it be the, the whole church see these young people as people they could build up. But not only the young people, but those who are young in their faith. That that is the method of Scripture. The method of Scripture is that we take the message of Scripture, the gospel, and we transfer it not by seminars, not by television and media, not by all these other different ways the world uses, but by personal relationship, by transferring what we've received from the Lord Jesus into somebody else. Last week I preached at a Chinese church. And uh, they have two services. Uh, I didn't preach Chinese. But they had two services. They have the Mandarin service and the Chinese church, uh, the English service. And I preached there last year, and I talked to them about having a Paul, having a Timothy, and being a Barnabas. And they now have made the church that the motto in the church. Everyone should find a Paul, Everyone should mentor a Timothy and everyone should be a Barnabas, an encourager to everybody else. What if that was a part of it? The answer in the spiritual toolbox is for you to have a mentor. The answer is, is for to, to know that person that you can look up to, that you can go to for your questions, that you can ask for advice. The scripture is very clear that we should go to other people for advice, that we're not to make decisions in business, in family, in vocation, in our major life decisions without the counsel of the brothers, without the counsel of the brethren, that you have some brothers and sisters that can come alongside you and say, I affirm this, or I feel this is in your best interest, and in the best interest of the kingdom. So number one, in your spiritual toolbox, do you have a mentor? Do you have a Christian leader that you can look look up to? Do you have someone that is there for you and can reach down? You know, uh, um, we think about this idea of changing the world, what it means to literally change the world and how we do that. And I'll never forget a men's dinner I was at with a man named Dick Halverson. And it was when they were arguing about school prayer. I think I even mentioned this in the service when I was here before. And uh, he said uh, everyone was arguing about school prayer and how they wanted to get prayer in schools. And he stood up at this men's dinner and he said, there was about two, 300 men there. And he said, how many of y'all for prayer in schools? And men just threw their hands up. Yeah, I am. I vote that way. Yes, we should have prayer in schools. It needs to be in school. I said, okay, great. He said, how many of you have prayed with your kids today? And the hands just dropped down. They just dropped down. We want to change the world, but we want everybody else to change first. Start first with our own thing we need to embrace first is a mentor. Second thing that Paul says 
to Timothy is the truth. The truth of salvation, we're to embrace that truth. We're to embrace a mentor, but we're also to embrace the truth. That means we embrace the truth where it leads. We are willing to face the things we're in denial in. You know what denial is, right? Denial, it's that river in Egypt. Denial. No, it's not. It's what we are when somebody says that your words hurt. It's what you do, what you do that in behavior is wrong. And someone says, you know, I really see that you have this need. And you immediately come up with that wall. No, embrace the truth. The truth of salvation that can be found in the scriptures, found in Jesus Christ. So that as you take your toolbox, the most important thing you have is that relationship with Jesus Christ. A young man was going to seminary a few years ago and he, he was at the, uh, at the meeting where they were voting whether they were gonna send him to seminary. And they had his discussion, he shared his testimony, he shared about his, what he wanted to do in seminary. And this young man, a wonderful young man, was sharing and they were just talking about how wonderful he'd do in seminary how wonderful and amazing it would be. And as they do in the press train circles I've in, he's in the room and then they send him out of the room and they talk about him, which is, you know, we, we do that in Christian circles a lot, but this is organized. And they, they talk about him and say, is this, is this man good to go to seminary? Is he good to go into the ministry? Is he good to do it? And so when that conversation goes, I generally sneak out of the room and go talk to the young man. So I pulled the guy off in the hallway and I looked at him and he said, wow, what are they talking about in there? I said, you, they're talking about you. I said, and you're excited about going to seminary? And he said, yeah. And I said, let me tell you something. Seminary can be the darkest, most unspiritual time of your life. What you must keep is your relationship with Jesus Christ close. You must keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and all the other stuff they talk about, you know, all that stuff they're talking about, it doesn't mean anything if you don't have that. And I prayed with him. Well, he went off to seminary and they voted him, of course, to go and everything. He's very qualified. And he called me a little while ago. He's now president of a seminary. He said, the words that you said meant so much to me can't imagine. He asked me to be involved in his installation. Well, why? Because you see, we can major in the minors. We can get all those Bible studies, all those things for God. But if we don't have a relationship with God, the whole thing becomes hollow, hollow. Number one, embrace a mentor. Number two, Embrace the truth that's found in the salvation of Jesus Christ. And number three, in your toolbox, the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures, which are the equipment for the man of God that fit him fully for all the works of the man. Reproof, correction, error, direction of resetting the direction of a man's life. It's 2014. Some of you have already set up this year. You're going to do a Bible reading, and some of you have already stopped. Figure out a way to do it. 
make a commitment this year that the scriptures are going to be what you embrace. The scriptures are going to be your equipment. The scriptures are going to be the thing that you make happen. There's two men I think of right now that uh, God has used greatly. One is a young man that is in Amsterdam right now. He finished up college in three years. He went to William and Mary and he finished it in three years. He was in our youth group and he was the type of guy that invited everyone to come. In fact, I credit a hundred kids coming to our youth group because of this one young man at Yorktown High School. It's great as a youth pastor to have one guy like that. Let me tell you. His nickname is JD. And what he did was he went to school and he invited everyone to come to the youth group after he met Christ. Well, J.D. made a deal with his parents who were not sure about uh, what he wanted to do with his life. And J.D. said, if I finish college in three years instead of four, can I take the fourth year and do a missionary uh, journey overseas? And they said, yeah, if you can finish William and Mary in three years instead of four, you can do that and we'll help pay that way. So we did, and he's in Amsterdam now working with street people. I spoke to him on uh, uh, the Facebook thing, and, you know, uh, I said, how's your quiet time? So he says, Jim, I've now memorized the entire book of Romans. I said, J.D., I, I told you to memorize Romans 8. He said, yeah, but I like the whole thing. He memorized every verse of the book of Romans. That is the equipment for the man of God that he takes those verses and makes them a reality. And I see on Facebook now the groups that come in and the people that are touched by this man. There is no greater equipment you can have than the Word of God. Well, in the toolbox here, I've got hammers. I've got a screwdriver. I've got a a little measure. And I was going to put all those things on for spiritual things. Nah, forget that because let me tell you something. Last year, I had to rebuild my front porch, and I started out with a saw, and I said, this is taking too long. So I went to Home Depot and bought a power saw. Saved me days of work, days of work. I plug it right in. You know what we need in our toolbox? Power tools. And that power comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. I urge you this year in 2014, if you want to change the world, if you want to even change your own life, get a mentor. Get a mentor. Embrace a mentor. Go to someone that's a little older than you in faith and say, help me grow in my faith. Second, embrace the truth. Don't live a lie. Don't live a lie. Don't accept the lies of this generation, but get truthful about who you are and where you're going. And find the truth in the Lord Jesus. And then third, embrace the scripture. And dig in the scripture and let it feed upon your soul. And I will tell you, there'll be no better tool. There'll be no better strength for you to make it through high school. For you to make it through being a father, being a mother, being a good worker. There'll be no better tool in a world that seems like it's falling apart. And then we understand and see it God's way. Will you do that?
Will the scripture be something you take a handle on and make it a reality this year? Oh yeah, you can lose the weight. Oh yeah, you can start the resolutions that you're gonna do. Have the scriptures be the thing you feed on. Father in heaven, I ask that you would guide and lead us to know that we can find our salvation in you. That Lord Jesus, that as we look in your word, you would reveal yourself to us. You would show us the weak areas of our lives. You would show us our gifts. You would show us our strengths. You would show us the direction we are going in, how we need to reset it, where we need to go, And that, Lord Jesus, you would make it clear to us that you are our Abba Father. You are the Father that loves us and cares for us, that provides for all our needs, and that you have a plan for us that's great and wonderful. May we embrace your church. May we embrace the truth. And may we embrace your scripture. Amen.